Welcome to Inclusion and Marketing, the show that's all about giving you the skills and insights you need to win the attention, adoration, and loyalty of more consumers, especially those with differences that are often ignored by brands. I'm your host, Sonia Thompson, a marketer and a person with a lot of differences. Let's get to it. Okay, I've got another podcast recommendation for you. It's Latinx in Power, hosted by Thaisa Fernandez. It's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. This podcast features interviews with top-level executives, entrepreneurs, and innovators from Latin America, aiming to demystify the tech industry by providing listeners with insider perspectives and insight from Latin American leaders who have succeeded in their fields. I like listening to this podcast because I like hearing from a broad diversity of voices and hearing from and learning from their experiences. One episode I'm super excited to dive into is the latest one, Lead Generation Journey with Glenville Dixon Jr. Listen to Latinx Empower wherever you get your podcasts. Being different can be hard, especially when you're in a society that doesn't often do the best job of acknowledging and celebrating differences. As a result, you end up with a lot of people who work hard to hide their differences for the purposes of fitting in. No bueno. The reality is, leaning in and celebrating differences can make a big impact, not only on the people who are part of the communities you are elevating, but on your bottom line, too. I brought in an expert with a lot of experience in this area to chat about this topic more in depth. So without further ado, Let's get to my discussion with Jelaine Santiago. Hey, Jelaine, thanks so much for joining me today. How are you? Oh, I'm so honored to be here. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for stopping by. Um, Let's dig right into it because we've got a fun topic to cover today. But before we get too far into it, just tell the people who are you and what do you do? Yes. So my name is Jelaine Santiago, which is like Elaine with a G that's pronounced like a J. So Jelaine, <laughs> um, I am, I'm a speaker. I'm a writer. I am CEO and I am also a content marketing coach for black indigenous people of color. Um, and I am CEO of two e-commerce businesses. So they're called Cambio and Co and Sinta and Co. And both of them are ethical fashion companies that use fashion as a way to create sustainable livelihood for traditional artisans in the Philippines, while also empowering Filipinos around the world to celebrate our culture, celebrate our heritage on a day-to-day basis and um, during our special occasions as well. So that's really what I've um, been doing. I'm Filipina, of course, and very proud. Um, and I am tuning in today from the um, Indigenous territory of Tikaronto, which is colonially known as Toronto. Yeah, and I'm really honored to be here to talk to you about inclusive marketing and content. Well, we've got a lot of good stuff to dive into. Now, we've talked a couple of times before, and I know I've heard you talk about how growing up, it was interesting because you didn't necessarily see a lot of people who looked like you once you moved to Toronto. Can you talk a little bit about the impact that media, brands, and society as a whole have in influencing and shaping how people feel about the parts of them that are different from everyone else that they're around. Yeah, for so I'll speak first from my experience. So 
I grew up, you know, in a very white dominant spaces. So I was one of the few people of color, particularly one of the few um, Filipinos as well. And I didn't know many Filipinos my age growing up. Um, and so for me, a lot of the representation that I did see, if you can call it representation, was through media. And oftentimes it was pretty scarce, those opportunities to see myself represented on, you know, on TV or in ads or just different forms of media and content. And when I did see myself represented, um, well, I can't even call it representation, but when I did see myself, um, <laughs> it was often like as the role of like the token Asian kind of like feeling like they just needed to like throw someone in. Um, and, you know, we often in shows or movies, like we weren't given speaking lines. And I just remember like being a kid and really, you know, growing up in the nineties and being really into Clueless, for example. <laughs> and there was like one Asian character and she was part of the cool friends group, but she like literally had one or two lines the whole time. And I just remember like loving that movie, but also just like wishing that I could hear her speak. And I think that is really encompassing of like how my experience has been is like just waiting for the chance to speak. I think that's how it has felt so much of my life until my 20s when I began to, you know, began to be exposed to different kinds of spaces and different ways of doing business and really also just like meeting other entrepreneurs of color and the ways that they were showing up in their spaces and sharing their stories. So it really did feel like for most of my life, I just felt like that invisible person who was a side character in my own story and not really feeling like I had, you know, any control over what I could do. Right. Um, or I just felt really limited and just really small and invisible. And I think that that's my experience. So I can't speak to everyone, but I think that's how many of us feel is that the images we see on media and through brands, it's like often we just see such a small slice of what we could be or a, such a small slice of what we are. And if you don't have people around you who can, um, you know, expose you to different ways of being or that who see you as your full self, then we can grow up really thinking that that's all we are is that small slice that media and brands show us. Wow. Such a, such a insightful way of viewing it. And I think it's just a reminder for people, especially if you're part of a community that is accustomed to being represented, just giving them a glimpse into what it's like to be on the other side of that and what that feels like and how it can impact you. So I love the way you articulated that. Mm -hmm. So thankfully, now you're not waiting on the sidelines to speak. Um, you are using your voice in a very profound way that is given voice, I think, to others in the process of your work. So right now, your both of your businesses lean quite heavily into your Filipino heritage. What role has leaning into this aspect of your identity? How has that impacted your businesses and your success? Mm. Yeah, it has been everything. <laughs> like, I think um, as context, when we first started our business, so our, our first business, Cambion Co., which we launched, um, six years ago, the first three years of this business that we were running was really not focused on Filipino community at all. And the, you know, that was always the vision is I always wanted to create something that was about celebrating Filipino culture and really celebrating Filipino craftsmanship and products made by artisans and connecting them to Filipinos here. But for the first three years, I didn't have like the conviction. I didn't have the confidence to really trust that vision. And especially because a lot of people um, also told us like, this is not a good idea. No one's going to want to buy products from Philippines. No one's going to want to support a business 
that's just focused on Filipino stories or Filipino customers. And so um, the first three years of our business was really less like trying to kind of cater to this quote unquote mainstream um, broad appeal. And it was so hard. And it was only after, you know, we decided to let go of that and to go into our own vision that things really changed. And so really leaning into, you know, embracing being Filipino, embracing the questions I have as a Filipina, just changed everything. It just changed, obviously, our sales, like our sales since we launched in, or relaunched and rebranded our company to focus on Filipino products in um, 2018, we've doubled and tripled, almost almost tripled every single year. Wow. It's been quite like exponential growth in terms of just like the pure revenue side. But also what it brought us was just better quality customers, like just customers who truly loved our stories, who just like loved our brand and who were so passionate and just became like our best and fiercest fans. And that just was purely from us sharing stories in a genuine way and not even, you know, we barely spend money on ads really and have been able to cut our ad spend over the last few years, but we've continued to grow so much exponentially year after year, just because people already know what we stand for. And so it's obviously had a big role in terms of revenue, but also just connecting us to community, connecting us to like really good customers who love us. And then that's also like opened up pathways in other ways, like really big media opportunities, like being featured in Cosmo and Huffington Post and really these channels that I never thought would have been ever accessible to us. Like it's just been mind blowing. I think it just goes to reinforce congratulations on all your success. I think it just goes to show that for a long time, I think people of color, people who are part of communities that are often in the minority have been sort of told a lie (laughs) that focusing on their stories, focusing on the heritage doesn't sell from a business standpoint, whether that was an intentional thing, whether that's just what people believed and they were imposing their beliefs on other people. But your success proves that that's not true. But it's not just there. Like we've seen it in other places where you know, let's just go to the movies, for instance. Like we've talked about like Black Panther. We've talked about Crazy Rich Asians. We've talked about um, Wonder Woman. Like there are a number of things whenever characters or roles or underrepresented groups are put in the forefront and they're the lead of the story rather than just like the sidekick or the silent person that's like the token it makes a tremendous difference in not only the people who finally are able to see themselves and how it makes them feel, but they are supporting with their credit cards, but also they're still attracting the mass market at the same time whenever it's something that's done well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. And it's just like, who also, I think it's also like the gatekeeping of yeah. who gets to decide you know, what is going to be popular, what is going to work. And the reality is you don't know until you try, but there's just been so much gatekeeping that we haven't even been able to see what the potential is for so many of our communities. Yeah, yeah. We got to like get rid of those gatekeepers. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's switch gears slightly and talk about this whole concept of mainstream. Because I think going back to what you were just saying about gatekeepers, it's like they are trying to decide who gets in the door for what is mainstream and what isn't, but who really does decide what is mainstream and what isn't? It's not necessarily the job or the role or the power 
the power doesn't necessarily reside with these gatekeepers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, for sure. Like, I think something that is really, it's just like, has really blown my mind is this idea that so many of us buy into that idea that like mainstream is the only way mm-hmm. that we can be successful as business owners or to get even like mainstream quote unquote approval. But the reality is like, when you think about what mainstream is, it's really just what's popular. And so when you think and you unpack it, it's like, well, what's popular in one community is really different. You know, it's like, for example, there's, there are celebrities like Filipino celebrities that are really popular in the Filipino community, but like that you wouldn't hear of, you know, necessarily outside of the Filipino community, but it doesn't mean that that's not mainstream. It's just mainstream to a different group of people. And I think that's something that I learned is like that mainstream is not an absolute, but it's really a relative concept. Yes. Right. And so once we can really realize that, then that opens up so many things of like, there are so many ways for us to grow, you know, and then eventually be able to reach more people. Yeah. So we don't have to just settle into what everybody already thinks is the path, right? Because it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's broader. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's kind of like, let's recalibrate what we think the center of the universe is or what we think is the, mm. the North Star or the way, because there isn't one way. There are various avenues, various means of wing, of doing things or various ways to determine um, what is popular, <laughs> depending upon who you're asking. Yeah, exactly. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron? Or could it be Don or John or Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's all new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution part, at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. With an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs. In a full 360 view of every customer, so your go-to-market team can keep a pulse on accounts before trying to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means. Better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. What role do brands play from your point of view in helping to shape what is considered mainstream or cool? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's huge. Um, I'm reading a book right now because I'm a huge fan of Mad Men. And just from like a marketing perspective, it's so fascinating. But like one of the things that you really see in Mad Men is like not only the way that advertising and marketing reflects popular culture, but the way that it actually helps to shape it. And you really see that in like just cigarette companies and the cigarette campaigns, like the invention of the Marlboro, Mar- I can't even pronounce it, Marlboro <laughs> Men, um, yeah. and the kind of like campaigns that they had, brands really do shape because we can reach so many people. Um, We have the, like these big companies have the funds to also reach so many people through TV and through different media that of course the messages that brands are putting out there are not only going to reinforce popular culture, but they're actually going to change it. And one of the most recent examples that I can think of is actually like the natural gas industry, which is really fascinating if you like read more about it. But right now, like the natural gas 
industry is really struggling because people are moving towards sustainable forms of energy. And so, for example, what they've invested a lot in the last decade is like making natural gas stoves cool. And you probably have heard it, like they've partnered with a lot of influencers. You'll see influencers on Instagram talking about their natural gas stoves and how like it's so cool. And like the real chefs use natural gas. And what you realize is like this was a really recent campaign. Like people didn't really have a thing for natural gas stoves until recently. And it was just because that's what they realized. This is what they needed to do to like survive as an industry. Um, And even the term natural gas that we use so like normally now was not, is like itself a marketing term. Like it's gas. Why is it natural gas? <laughs> you know, like, um, and so you kind of really see that. Like now people like rave about their gas stoves and how it's like the the thing to have for cooks. And so you really see how they, how brands really have this big influence on what we believe, right? So for sure, like we have a huge responsibility as brands. Right. I think sometimes brands don't recognize the power that they have. And um, and a lot of times, I guess when they do, they're doing it in a way, thinking about it and what impact it has on ultimately their bottom line. Um, but because that impact is on the bottom line, like it's not compartmentalized. It impacts a whole ecosystem and a mm-hmm. whole lot of people in a lot of ways. So when you're recognizing your power, it's important to recognize your power in the full the full Mm -hmm. sense of the term and what you're you're able to do. Okay, so let's say that a brand decides that they do want to use their power and they do want to do a better job of elevating underrepresented voices and cultures and, um, you know, showcasing and introducing other people within their community, their audience, their platform. Are there ways that brands can authentically represent differences Um, especially if they or the people on the team aren't part of those communities? Yeah, I think for sure. There's so many different ways that we can do it, but I think it has to start first with the intention of like wanting to do it in a genuine way. I think something that I often talk about is like the salt analogy, because I obviously cook a lot. So um, with the salt analogy, you know, when you cook, um, you can layer in the salt as you cook. So that if you layer in if you use salt at the start of the process, the middle, and then at the end, it becomes this really, it changes the flavor of the dish completely. It becomes so nuanced, it's so rich, and it's not just salty, but it's like, has a lot of like richness to it. Versus if you just sprinkle salt at the end, you can see the salt, you can taste the salt, it's salty. It doesn't, it helps a little bit, but it doesn't have the same impact. Mm -hmm. And so I really think of like that salt as the same thing between like representation and and diversity. And when we talk about representation and storytelling, because if you are a brand who's really intentional about really authentically, you know, authentically including stories and voices that are different from your own about really making your customers from different backgrounds feel seen and helped, then you're going to take the steps to layer. You're going to make sure that you are building representation in at different stages of your marketing process. You're going to make sure that you do hire content creators from these different backgrounds. You're going to make sure that you are working with influencers who have these different you know, voices and backgrounds and appeal, um, not only appeal to your audience, but that can help your, your team as well to expand your perspectives. And so you're going to take those steps um, at the different stages of your marketing, content creation, and ideation process from you know, from the brainstorming to the actual execution. 
Um, and so that's like what this, what salt is as the equivalent of like layering the salt versus the other option or the alternative path, which is just like doing a photo shoot and then realizing at the end, like, oh, we need, we need some like Asian people. <laughs> like we need some Latino people. <laughs> like here, let's just source whoever we can and then put, stick them into this campaign. Um, you know, and that's the equivalent of just sprinkling salt at the end. That's what, that's what quote unquote diversity is. But that's not the same thing as representation. It's not the same thing as inclusion. And so if you want to be a brand who genuinely uplifts people and that genuinely and authentically shares these stories, like you can't take it from the approach of just sprinkling things at the end and sprinkling in a bunch of people of color throughout your campaigns. Like that's not what representation is. Uh, so that's really how I how I look at that. It has to be really layered in intentionally. Very cool. Very cool. And a very vivid um, <laughs> and visceral sort of uh, example that we probably fall experience. So I love it. I love it. Jelaine, this has been cool. Any parting words of wisdom for leaders who are considering ditching their concept of mainstream to win a broader base of customers? I think that, I think that for a lot of leaders, you'll do it because it's for the bottom line. But I think what you will also realize is that it's not just about the bottom line, but it's also, you know, it's also just going to make everything so much easier in the rest of your business. It's not just going to bring you more sales. It's going to bring your customers a lot more joy. It's going to bring a lot deeper connections with your community. It's going to bring really, really great employees to your team who just like really genuinely love what you do. You know, I think it's the sort of thing that it's not, yeah, I guess like if you are really serious about empowering people to embrace what makes them different, like you're going to end up with something that's so rich and just going to help your business in so many ways. So, um, yeah. Love it. I love it. Thank you again, Jelaine, for stopping by and sharing your experiences with us. Yes, thank, thank you so much for having me. Jelaine had so many great things to share, but there was one thing that stood out to me in particular, and that is about this whole idea that brands have power to shape what is considered normal and quote-unquote mainstream. You can shape what is top of mind and seen as ideal for the people you serve. So what aspects of inclusion and even cultures of the people you serve do you want to use your power in changing the narrative of in a positive way? Send me a note and let me know. I'd love to hear about what you're thinking. That's it for today's show. If you need help getting started building an inclusive brand, go ahead and grab my inclusive marketing starter kit. You can find it at inclusivemarketing.co slash starter kit. And if you like this episode, I would so appreciate it if you'd share it with a friend and even rate and review it in your podcast app of choice. It'll help get the word out so others can get going delivering inclusive experiences. Until next time, remember, everyone deserves to have a place where they belong. Let's use our individual and collective power to make sure more people feel like they do. Somebody's waiting on you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.